aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. With the 34th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select future pro bowler Elijah Moore, wide receiver, Ole Miss. Lavernius Cole's confident in the Jets' second-round pick on day two of the NFL Draft. We are back. We are caffeinated here on the Can't Wait Podcast. Hope everyone got some sleep last night after our 1 a.m. stream. Coming to you a little bit earlier tonight. Tim McMaster here along with the Athletics. Jets reporter Connor Hughes and our producer Marissa Morris. The Jets keep the pick. Nobody thought that was going to come. They come. They get Ole Miss wide receiver Elijah Moore. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what the Jets didn't do. We'll look at who's left over for day three. All of that and more in this edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. Day two of the draft. Thanks for following us wherever you are. If you're watching live on YouTube, subscribe to the stream. If you're listening on Apple, you can subscribe there. Leave us a great rating and review. All right, Connor. Um, I think we're all a little pluckier today, which is good. We're pre-midnight here. We're we're on the show. So everybody what? expected Joe Connor does and I mean? both did not know what, what does that, that mean. But we I, don't know what that means. I heard right, I thought you were making fun of me because I tweeted plucking, a pick that said like they plucked. Awake? I tweet when I tweeted a pick today, I said like they uh this team plucked a player from like the college rank show. So I thought you were making fun of me, but then I realized you weren't. And I was well, like let's go with that. Connor and I looked at each other like I was like what? plucky. What? Does it mean like happy? Is that like a jovial yes. thing? No, awake. Awake. Huh, luckier. Never, I mean, that's good. I'm going to start using that. I do like that a lot. I hope this doesn't. (laughs) I think that one's good. uh, I'm going to keep using that one, man. I hope this doesn't make the audio version of this. But anyway, (laughs) back to the draft. We we thought, a lot of people thought that the Jets would trade down, get back some of that draft capital. Joe Douglas says, no, I'm taking my player. And it's Elijah Moore. It's an interesting pick, Connor, but it's exactly what we've said they needed to do. Focus on the offense. Not just the offensive line, but give weapons to your big draft pick, Zach Wilson. And look, the Jets drafted a player that's going to immediately help their young quarterback. That is never a bad thing. And I, I literally just filed this column, and it'll be up. Uh, Allison's got it in her hands, I think, but obviously she's swamped with like 17 other writers as well to edit. So I don't know if that's going to run tonight or tomorrow morning. But basically what what the lead of that was and, and what I had talked about with that was that the Jets could have gone so many different directions there at number 34. They they could have gone with Agilari, right? Gotten a pass rusher, you know, a, a pass rusher that the 49ers defenses were so loaded with on that defensive line. Gotten somebody that could have been your situational rusher this year, your situational rusher this season, and then taken over as your starting defensive end opposite Carl Lawson next year. They could have gone that route. Uh, we've obviously talked ad nauseum about how desperately the Jets need to address the secondary, right? I mean, they do need a cornerback. They need a cornerback in that room. Asante Samuel was there. That was an option. You know, the, the Jets are making a conversion for the first time in so many years to a 43 defense. They look pretty good right now with Jared Davis as their strong side linebacker, CJ Mosley in the middle, but they do still need a will linebacker. They could have gone there. Joku was there. Like, I mean, there were options. The Jets could have also taken the stance of like, well, we don't necessarily think Samuel's the right pick there. We don't necessarily think this guy's the right pick there. Let's trade back five or six spots because there were about a half a half dozen teams that were interested in moving up to the Jets selection. Have the Jets move back, add some more picks to that war chest of draft selections, fill not one need, but multiple needs with both your later second round pick and your third round pick. 
the Jets didn't do any of those things. They didn't fill one of their needs. What they instead did was they went out and got a player that surprisingly plays a position that this 2-14 and 14 team doesn't need because the Jets already have Denzel Mims at outside receiver, Corey Davis at outside receiver, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole. They had a fine four-man rotation at corner, and they still went out and drafted another receiver. And you know what? Who gives a damn? That doesn't make it a bad pick. What the Jets did was they went out and they drafted a dynamic playmaker, an athletic freak, a guy who is going to make a difference the moment he steps on the field, a guy that an off- a defense is going to have to worry about the moment he steps on the field, a guy that is going to help Zach Wilson. And when you draft your young quarterback help, I don't care if it's a receiver, a tight end, an offensive lineman, it does not matter to me. If you get a player to help your young franchise quarterback become a franchise quarterback, you cannot complain about the pick. It is never the wrong pick. So yeah, the Jets could have gone a number of different directions at number 34. If they drafted a corner, we'd be sitting here saying, good pick, they filled a need. If they went pass rusher, good pick, they filled a need. Instead, they didn't fill a need. What they did was they got a guy who, like I said, is going to help this team in the immediacy. And this guy is somebody who I don't think people realize how dynamic Elijah Moore is. I don't think they realize exactly what the Jets are getting in this kid. And I'll admit, I didn't know what the Jets were getting in this kid. So I made some calls. I talked to people around the league. I asked people within the Jets building what they think of them. I heard dynamic. I heard versatile. I heard Debo Samuel 2.0. When you read what, forget what I was. I was told Debo. Everyone obviously has a different player comparison. I went on NFL.com, NFL.com, San Antonio Brown. NFL Network was saying Tyler Lockett. I'm hearing Debo Samuel. All three of those players, Antonio Brown, personality flags aside, is a dynamic all-pro wide receiver. Lockett, a dynamic player for Seattle. Debo Samuel was a key, key cog in that Kyle Shanahan offense when they were humming and went all the way to the Super Bowl. The Jets are getting a guy like that, somebody who has 4-3-2 speed, explosiveness. You want a fast offense, 4-3-2 speed with a 36-inch vertical. Yeah, he's only 5'8", 178 pounds, but the guy can jump through the roof and still make those high point balls and still go up and make contested catches. And once that ball is in the hands, look out. I mean, he said it. We talked to more right after we, right after the Jets drafted him. And I asked him, I, I was like, hey, what do you think about like your ability as a runner? You know, once you have the ball in your hands, he laughed. He basically laughed and said, I'm a running back. As soon as that ball is in my hands, I'm a running back. And that was such a key piece of the Kyle Shannon offense because they could hand it to Brandon Ayuk on jet sweeps. They could hand it to Debo Samuel on jet sweeps. They could run these little screens and plays just to get the ball to those guys in space and then watch them take off and run. That's the player that the Jets just brought here. And instead of thinking about like, oh, they could have had a cornerback or instead of thinking, oh, they could have had a pass rusher or oh, they could have had a linebacker. Think about Zach Wilson week one because I know that when we talk to Robert Sala, he laughed it off about, oh, the aggressive New York media, you know, we don't, we, it's the aggression, you know, we're not thinking about Zach Wilson starting. Bullshit. In the perfect world, Zach Wilson is going to be this team starter week one. They, they drafted him because he's the perfect fit for this offense. They think he's pro ready. And if all things go according to plan, he will be the Jets quarterback week one. So I want you to just think about this for a second. Zach Wilson is going to be lining up behind an offensive line that is left tackle Makai Becton, left tackle Elijah Vera Tucker, center Connor McGovern, right guard at the moment, Alex Lewis or Greg Van Roten, right tackle George Fant. 
He's going to have a backfield that right now looks like Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, Josh Adams, and LaMichael Piran. I know people aren't too like, oh my God, we need running backs. We need running backs. We're going to talk about this in a bit. The Jets do not need a running back. Look at the 2019 49er running backs. It was the Island of Misfit Toys. They ran for 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns. You don't need running backs in this offense. Still running back, that offensive line. Zach Wilson's going to be dropping back or in the shotgun or scanning a defense and having Corey Davis on one side, Denzel Mims on another side, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, and Keelan Cole. And we're not even talking yet about Chris Herndon and a potential resurgence. The Jets suddenly have... Let's not go crazy here. Yeah, but the Jets suddenly (laughs) have weapons. The Jets suddenly have options. The Jets are slowly but surely creating an environment conducive to a young quarterback success. You don't have to get me committed. That is literally what is happening in front of your very eyes. And I just don't understand how you can realize that this is what this team is doing and complain about it or be angry about it or be annoyed about it. I think it's been an A-plus start to this draft for Joe Douglas. I think he's doing an incredible job. And I think Moore is just the, the, the next piece in doing that. Well, let's talk about what you can complain about, I guess. Well, first of all, you know, from a standpoint of more, absolutely. Kuiper had him 16 on his big board. I think Dane had him 35th. Just had him top 25. So Doug was told us that. He said he was top 25 on their board. But you said it, not a need. They have Crowder. We'll see if they still have Crowder. You think they? You think he'll still be there for this year, and then you know a year from now, more is is that slot guy. But if they, you know, if they trade back, right? If they move back five slots, if that's available, and they do it, Moore's not there, right? Moore's going to get snatched up yes. by one of these other teams. But one of those other guys we talked about is there because they were there. I mean, when you look at how the draft played out and how far back Ojaleri dropped and and how far back these guys, they would have had a chance to fill a need in this slot and add more draft capital. I think it's fair to make that point and to argue that, okay, they they added depth at receiver and an electric guy, but they could have filled a need and added picks. I'm not saying it was a bad pick. I'm just saying that there's definitely another route that could have been taken that yeah. could have ended up with more players and filling a need. And you mentioned all those guys, Larry, Samuel, Landon Dickerson. Yeah, and I, I look, I, I did this. I, I talked about it on a video before the draft is that I thought Joe was going to trade back. I, I really thought. I thought it was going to be Larry, the pass rusher, uh, Jenkins, an offensive lineman, or trade back. I didn't necessarily consider Elijah Moore, but I also didn't realize how highly the Jets had him ranked. When when the when the Jets are talking about a guy that they saw as a top 25 talent, and then you saw Ajulari fell all the way to the Giants pretty later on, so it's clear that there were some issues there. How about the Giants trading back twice? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't follow that, too. I know they did it, but I didn't follow. Aside from Ajulari, yeah. I didn't follow who they who – they, oh, and they traded up for a corner, right? Um, but the, him, Adulary following kind of shows that like, you know, he would have been there if the Jets traded back. Definitely. Um, I, I made this point on the, uh, I think I tweeted it and I might've said it in the video that that was published out there on Instagram, but, um, I, I would have gone Tevin Jenkins like that. That would have been my pick. If I was the general manager, I, I just would have continued to build that wall because in my opinion, you get a top offensive line, suddenly it doesn't matter who you got at receiver or running back. I mean, quarterback always matters, but receiver running back doesn't matter if you have a top-tier line. And Jenkins was a player that I viewed as an immediate day-one starter at right guard, and you would have had Fant right tackle, Becton left tackle, Vera Tucker left guard, Jenkins right guard, and then Connor McGovern at the center position. I, I would have gone that route, 
But again, Tim, honestly, like the more that I heard about this kid, once we talked to this kid and you got to know his personality, you see, I mean, he's basically Robert Sala in a player as far as his personality is concerned. And you see that he plays a role on offense that the Jets don't have. You know, that that 49, like I said, that 49er scheme was so, so important and predicated from their receivers on yak and getting and getting the catch and running, getting the ball running, getting the ball and running. Corey Davis isn't really a yak guy. Denzel Mims isn't really a yak guy. Jamison Crowder kind of is, but he's more of like a slot receiver that's going to catch, get a couple yards. He's still not really yak guy. Elijah Moore is yak. He is a guy that is going to, he can play some outside. Like I said, he can get contested balls. Yes, he can stretch the field. Yes, but he is best when you just give him the ball, get him in a little bit of space and let him become a running back and let him become a force and a menace after he makes the reception. And the Jets didn't have that on offense. And what they saw was a, a top, a first round pick. They saw a top 20 pick, top 25 pick. They saw it there with the 34th selection and trading back. Yeah. Made sense. And, and I think going some other directions would have filled some other needs. Yes. But what I think people do need to realize is that Joe Douglas is not ignorant. Joe Douglas is not dumb. Joe Douglas is not just out here, you know, throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. He realizes he could have gotten more picks by trading back. He realizes that a pass rusher or corner could have filled a need. He realized that he could have drafted another offensive lineman that could start on this team for 10 years. He realizes all of those things and realizes how all of those things would have benefited the Jets in the long run. And he still decided to stay at number 34 and pick Elijah Moore. And I think what that tells you is just how much this team valued and how highly this team thought of Elijah Moore. And, and you kind of saw it a little bit when the Jets have been tweeting out the uh, their war room videos of right after they select the player. I mean, Robert Sala was basically ready to jump through the roof when he realized that the Jets were getting this kid. So look, I mean, were there other directions they could have gone? Yes. Were there other directions that probably would have made the Jets a more well-rounded team? Yes. But the Jets also valued this kid clearly significantly more than I think people realize. And I think it's going to take until week one training camp regular season for us to realize why. Because this isn't like when the Jets traded back and Denzel Mims still happened to be there. You know, this isn't like when somebody just happened to fall to them, so they took him. They saw this kid. They couldn't believe this kid was there. And they were elated to get him. And now it's just a matter of waiting to see why. But but if you're going to, like I said, I, I, I can't rip the pick. Were there other directions I would have gone? Yeah, I would have gone Tevin Jenkins. Tim, you probably would have gone defense or traded back. Marissa would have done something different. All of us have different ideas on how the best way to use that pick or trade back and get more picks. But when you get a player that is going to immediately help your franchise quarterback, I, I will say nothing negative about it. While there's other things you can do, other things you want to do, other things you don't want to do, to me, that doesn't matter. You got a player that's going to help your young quarterback, get ready and go. And, and honestly... This team right now has more talent, better talent, better coaching, and a better offensive line than any team that Sam Darnold played for during his time with the Jets. I mean, it is absolutely remarkable what, what this team is starting to do. And there's a lot, there's a lot of go, there's a lot, there's a long way to go. The draft picks obviously still need to 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 play out, and these draft picks still need to hit, and these draft picks still need to be the right picks. But there is no denying that there is more potential and more talent on this team right now with Zach Wilson as a rookie than at any point in Sam Darnold's career. Tim, did you see my text yet? You see um, this comment that came in? I just texted you. I was like, I can't, yes, I, I'm not yeah, logged I in. So I can't pin these things. Somebody commented, Marissa would have drafted someone from the university of Maryland. <laughs> hey, I was that, like, a plus, that's, a plus. That's possible tomorrow. And guess what? It's a perfect transition because he's a running back. So 
Jake Funk. That's our that's our one what of our a name. That's a yeah, good name. Exactly. Exactly. Well, name and, team. and and uh you touched on that earlier, but you know, hey, he might be a possibility in the six or seventh round tomorrow. So keep an eye on Terrence Jake Begley, Funk. by the way, with that comment, who is a uh a regular in the yes. chat. So shout out to him. I just a- want to state for the record that this definition <laughs> is totally fine for my use of the word at the Spicy, beginning of the show. Spunky, Granted, spirit. I used, I added ER to the end. I'm not sure pluckier is proper, but I think plucky fits. We're feisty, we're spunky, we're spirited here on Can't Wait. So there you go. For everybody that laughed at me at the beginning of the show. I'm um, gonna we have some amazing funk phone. comments in here too. I think he would be a great fit for the Jets. I love funk. What the funk? Take us to funky town, Jake. That's good. Pluck That's a good one. Pluck and funk. I mean, come on. <laughs> plucky, plucky. Oh, I can't say that one. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working plucky into. Take your time uh, with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm working right. plucky into my column tomorrow. That's gonna happen. All right, so I wanted to bring up my planner. <laughs> Connie, your grades are high for the Jets so far. We know that you're writing a column about how well this draft has gone so far. Yes, it might um, actually will- be up now because I was gonna message. So, so Shil Kapadia obviously works for The Athletic, uh, occasionally appears on another podcast that we won't talk about, uh, but he's doing the grades for The Athletic for pick by pick. And so I just wanted to bring up his stuff because it's interesting the direction he's gone with these because I think they've gone against what many other people would think. But he gave him a B minus for Wilson. I don't know how you really score better than Wilson at two. I mean, I guess... The thought process is you could have kept Arnold, traded back, and and got more. Yeah, which so I you gave him B minus. Have you been real real quick before we get there, Tim? Yeah. When you've been watching the draft, are you watching NFL Network or ESPN? I've been watching ESPN. So did you? I heard like Mel Kiper was having a coronary on the opening day of the draft over Sam Darnold. I've been yeah, watching he, NFL Network. He's, he's very much. He really thought they should have kept Darnold. Yeah, yeah I heard it was like a little over the top. Yeah, I kind of. I got to go back and listen. Well, in his argument, and this this argument to me isn't necessarily fair because his argument is, you know, from his standpoint that he had a higher grade on Sam Darnold three years ago than he has on Zach Wilson right now. The problem with that argument is that the Jets ruined Sam Darnold over the last three years. So it's yeah. it's a different equation um, as far as keeping the current Sam Darnold, in my mind, or going with Zach Wilson. Plus, there's the salary cap implications of restarting the rookie contract and all of that. So... But yeah, he was very much uh, on the, he's still on the Sam Donald train. But um, I'll tell you this real quick before we yeah. move on. And this is just like, because we've talked a lot about Zach Wilson. The way that the Jets came to their quarterback decision and the way that they came to their quarterback decision to figure this out wasn't Sam Darnold's contract. It was not what Sam Darnold necessarily had done last year. What they did was that they created a, a sort of imaginary situation in their head, the Jets did, where both Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson were both in the same draft class. That it was Sam and Zach, both in the 2021 NFL draft. Trevor Lawrence was going one and the Jets were on the clock at number two. And the way that they came to their decision was they said, not contract, not this, not person. Like they 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 brought up their Sam Darnold scouting report. They created their scouting report from Zach Wilson. And they basically said, if both of these guys were in the draft, who would we take? Would we take Sam or would we take Zach? And after that pro day, after going over these guys, after going every over everything 
what they came to the determination of is that if Sam Darnold was in this draft class and Zach Wilson was in this draft class, they would draft Zach Wilson. That they believed Zach Wilson had more potential, more upside, less turnover prone, a little bit better with his progressions, better on his feet, and a much better fit within this offense. So they liked Sam. They thought Sam, if they were picking fifth or sixth in that hypothetical draft, they would have had no problem with Sam Darnold. But at number two, if both those players were available in a in a hypothetical world, they were taking Zach Wilson, which is why the Jets took Zach Wilson this time. You know, is that they just they believe that Zach Wilson is a better player than Sam Darnold. Yeah, and if you believe that based on what you thought of Darnold three years ago, and then you all th- throw all those other equations into it, then it's an obvious pick, I think, and it makes mm-hmm. total sense. Um, all right, so so Shield then for the trade yesterday. He likes the player, don't get me wrong. He likes Elijah Vera Tucker a lot, um, but he gave them a C- minus because of what they gave up, basically, to it move was up that 46 point. points difference. I don't get that. Like, If you go to the NFL trade chart, the Jets gave up two third-round picks. They got back a very high fourth-rounder. The value, they they if you go by the NFL draft trade chart, which is what every NFL general manager does, and when you go to determine trades, like the two teams exchange trade charts, trade charts so you realize one isn't trying to screw the other, but... Like the Jets with the number 23 and two third round, number 23, 66, and 86, getting back that fourth rounder from the Vikings in number 14, the difference in the two point values was 45 points. That's like the equivalent of like a fifth round pick. Like that's the Jets overpaid by a fifth rounder to go get a guy that they saw as a top 10 talent that happened to fall to 14. A guy that's going to start. Like I don't, I don't get how you say it. But again, like it seems like a lot. Don't get me wrong. Cause when right. I first saw it, I was like my immediate reaction. And I think it's actually in the story that I originally wrote on Elijah Vera Tucker, that like immediate story was, wow, that's a lot. But when I actually went back, it was like at two in the morning, three in the morning last night when Marissa and I were both like, ro- like hyped up on caffeine. And like, like, like we ended this podcast. I was like, I'm definitely not going to bed anytime soon because I'm like seeing stars right now, like between exhaustion and caffeine. But I was like, oh, I was like, actually I, I did a video for like the morning. And I was like, oh, I was like, I should actually probably add up the draft chart value to see what they paid. And I couldn't believe it. It was I checked three different charts and it was a 45 point difference. And I was like, that's nothing. It wasn't like they overpaid by 120, 100 points. It was 45 points. That's nothing. So to say they overpaid, that's not accurate. But t- technically, yes, they were no longer picking on day two of the draft, but they get an early fourth rounder. And for a guy that is going to start at left guard week one and for the next 12 years, I just I don't understand how that's a overpaying. I just don't. I, I really don't. All right, and then finally, Shield went gave him an A actually for the more pick today. So I think a lot of people would have said they should have, like we said, the other argument was move back and take a guy that's still going to fit a need. But uh, Shield gave him an A for that one. So um, that's the overall, just a different viewpoint of this because I know on some of those grades, Connor, you were a little different, and we just like to show people have different opinions of this stuff. All right, actually, I think we. Sh- What's that? No, I don't say it. Just go. We're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, right, I just move. finished a beer. I'm drinking water. I have a coffee now that I'm about. To, I'm all over the place. We are on uppers just, and downers. Yeah. Yes, it's wild. Uh, it's like Michael Jackson right now. Elvis, who are right. all those guys that they would take like pills to wake up and then pills to go to sleep. Yeah. Michael Jackson, Elvis, all of them, all the rock stars. I can't play this. It, it never Connor, ends well, Connor. So Connor maybe. Hughes, rock star. <laughs> no, Connor Hughes, former former NFL player. If you uh, yes, Google him. Tim, I think well. If you Google him, yes, but I think that the elephant in the room we need to address is there's been a lot of comments if Connor Hughes and Zach Wilson 
our brothers separated uh, at birth. Yeah, separated. I, at they birth. said I look like Sam Darnold too. Like I got that when they drafted Sam. Was that I look like Sam's side red hair? I'll take Connor Zach Hughes, Wilson. Though. Every Jets quarterback. I will take looking like Zach Wilson. Uh, that that is one I'll I'll gladly put that one on the back. I will say that when they drafted Zach, uh, Bree texted me, and she it was the screenshot of Zach like smiling or something like that. And, uh, Bree texted me. She goes. He's kind of cute. The, the I, was like, oh, great. Oh, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, there we go. I was like, freeze in love with Zach Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> they, someone take said that. I'll someone wear that a combo, Zach and Sam's son. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll lean into that one. There's worse, uh, there's, there's worse things. There's worse things. <laughs> All right, let's take a look. I could look, at, like, I could look like Brent Qualley. That would be a bad one. That would, that would, that'd be one I wouldn't shoulder well. <laughs> All right, are we ready? Uh, we're, yeah. <laughs> And all right, day three. Um, you know, all the needs that we talked about uh, are still needs. Um, the one thing that was interesting in the, like the final 10 picks of the compensatory round in round three, um, there was a whole bunch of cornerbacks available. And it was like one. I had a list that I was kind of using to get ready for the podcast, you know, and uh, Elijah Molden was on there. Another Elijah. We just keep adding Elijahs to the roster. Um, you know, Syracuse grad here, Efiatu Melifonwu. I think I said that right. Mm-hmm. He was on there. There was a whole yep. bunch of defensive backs, and it was just a run on them late in that that round. And kind of, they're basically all gone now. Um, but when you look at who's left, the funk is there if they want to go running back. Another running back is actually the highest, uh, one of the highest guys left on Dane's big board is Kenneth Gainwell. Yes, uh, he mocked him back. Yeah, so he's there. Um, and then when you look offensive line, I mean, I mean, a lot of people say, right, you can't go wrong with Alabama. Obviously, so many Bama players have already gone, but Deontay Brown, the guard from Alabama, is there, James Hudson. So the needs are there. Uh, Ronnie Perkins was still there for a while, but he went late to the Patriots. Yeah. Um, that would have been a good edge guy to get. So when you look at who is left, what direction do you think the Jets go with? Because like we talked about it yesterday, you know they're picking second tomorrow. So one of these guys is going to be available that we're mentioning. Yeah, I, I know. Like I would actually now that you're on day three of the draft, and a lot of people I saw like blowing up about the Jets at number twenty three potentially taking the running back from Clems- Clemson, maybe Najee Harris. Uh, I know within the uh, the second round was starting there at number 34. People were like referencing that the Jets should draft the running back from North Carolina. I, I don't think people realize that this offense doesn't need that. That's not what this offense needs. This offense needs a skill set at running back. And if you have that skill set at running back, you will be incredibly successful. And what I would compare it to and what I would point it to is what San Francisco did in 2019. That team ran to the playoffs. Yeah, they had Jimmy Garoppolo had a good year. Yes, the defense was dynamic, but that offense was led by their running game and their three-headed rushing attack of Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, and Raheem Mosher. Those three running backs, if I'm not mistaken, combined for like 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns. That's what those three guys combined for. Tevin Coleman was a low-level free agent signing. Raheem Mostert was a journeyman that they signed off somebody's practice squad, and Matt Breida was an undrafted free agent. You don't need that crazy high draft pick. You don't need to invest a second-round pick in a running back. You don't need to invest a third-round pick or even a first-round pick. You don't need that type of player. You need somebody with speed to get to the perimeter and the wherewithal to put your foot in the ground and cut up the field once you get there. The Jets have that in Ty Johnson. They have that in Josh Adams. They have that in Tevin Coleman. They don't really have that in LaMichael P. Ryan, but I'm curious if this offense is going to be able to have him develop those running traits because you can see that happening. With that said, 
now that you're in the fourth round, now I could see them drafting a running back because now you're at a point where you're looking for skill. You're looking for maybe players that were maybe would have gone in the second or third round that fall. Gainwell, somebody that I like a lot. Obviously, Funk, now I like him a lot because I think he's got a great <laughs> name. Um, but I think those are two guys that are options now in the fourth round where the Jets have two picks. I think that's one spot that they could go. Uh, the one place that I would probably shy away from is offensive line. I'm just not a huge, huge fan of, of the offensive linemen in the fourth round. I kind of like what the Jets have right now with their grouping. Um, it, it probably, unless the right or the perfect player is there, it looks like it's probably going to be like a combination of Cameron Clark, Alex Lewis, and Greg Van Roten complete, competing for that right guard position. And then obviously the other positions on the offensive line are solidified with, you know, we've talked about it, Vera Tucker, Becton, and Fant. Uh, those three guys have those spots, or those and Connor McGovern. Those four guys have those spots solidified. And then you'll have Clark, Van Roten, and Lewis competing for the right guard position. So uh, if there's like a perfect value or somebody super high on their board, maybe they go with an offensive lineman. But I would start going now with best player available and and looking for athletic traits. You know, somebody that has certain traits that maybe he's not had the crazy stats in college. Maybe he wasn't necessarily you know the the big number guy or, or the one that a lot of people are talking about, but somebody that you believe has the physical traits that you can develop and you can build and you can groom within your system to take over and have a starting role. And, and this is where now I think you'll see the Jets start attacking some of those areas of need that they've wanted. Cornerback, certainly an option, and there are some numbers. I know Kerry Vincent, if I'm not mistaken, from LSU, he's still there. He's an option I could see the Jets going with. Jabril Cox, I like him as a potential linebacker. He's not a corner. There are pass rushers out there, and there are always pass rushers with certain physical traits that'll make you say like, wow, this guy can develop or wow, this guy can be groomed and, and built into a situational edge rush or something like that. Just somebody who has speed around the outside, maybe low-level school guys. So Joe Douglas said, I think his quote was that there's damage to be done on the second day. I think that's absolutely what he's going to be looking to do. It wouldn't surprise me to see him move back from one of those fourth and add a couple fifth rounders, maybe package fifth rounders together to go back up into the fourth round, something like that. But I do like that if there's one player – that I would say I think the Jets should absolutely, without a doubt, no doubt, come away with. It's Michigan fullback, tight end, H-back Ben Mason. I think he's somebody that could be uh, like Vucevic was for the um, for the 49ers. I think he could be that player. Or Juchek, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Vucevic was another. Isn't he the uh, basketball player? Yeah, Vucevic. I think he's the basketball player. Yes. Uh, you check. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm about to pass out. I'm so tired. Because um, now the coffee's wearing off. So uh, Ben Mason is somebody that I think he'll be able to fill in pretty well for that like role that the Jets don't necessarily have because Trayvon Wesco is just a big bruising, like physical blocking guy. He's not a um, yeah Chicago Bulls. Somebody said he's on the Bulls. So I wasn't wrong <laughs> off that. Um, ben Mason, traded, somebody, I think at the deadline. Yeah. Ben Mason, somebody that I think would be a really good fit for this team. I like him a lot. He would kind of be like that fifth round, uh, potentially sixth round option. Other than that, just look for your physical freaks, man. But I think this is when, Day three, you'll see the Jets start going with some defense because they've gone offense, offense, offense. Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach. They're going to they're gonna start getting some defensive players, which is good because they need one. And I see somebody up here says Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of uh, Miami. I like that one a lot, too. I like the idea of them adding an athletic tight end to complete, compete with Chris Herndon in case Herndon uh, can't do it. <laughs> yeah, Jets are going to be running the triangle. I like it. <laughs> um, the one guy I was hoping would kind of drift into uh, day three was uh, Quinn Miners, the kid from Wisconsin Whitewater. Mm -hmm. Did mm -hmm. you see the video 
of him when he was taken. So Wisconsin Whitewater, absolute powerhouse, right? Year after year yeah. in Division Three. But the video is amazing because he's playing against other Division Three players, and this guy is a monster. Just, just, just killing. Kill just like get, get out, of, get out of my. McCagney would take him. McCagney would have <laughs> him in the second round, dude. You see D three big guys. Somebody from when he drafted Nathan Shepard from Canada. I remember that one. The Jets, the Jets need offensive players. They have like the one thing the Jets had was a defensive line. And all of a sudden, I see the pick come across Nathan Shepard. I'm like, who the hell is Nathan Shepard? And I Google him, and I'm like, he's 27 already. He's from Canada. I was like, what are we doing? And I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Maybe he knows more than I do. Nope. No, they're on that one. No, he did not. He did not know more than I did. Oh, God. Well, the scouting, the scouting tape of minors too that he sent out was like him standing on the side of a mountain, like with a rubber yes. hammer, slamming he work, into he like with rocks. Our guy. Yeah. Duke, didn't he work with Danny Weather? He works with I Duke. Believe, like Duke was, yeah, I believe. Yeah, might, yeah. Because they didn't have a season this past year because of COVID. Yeah, right. so he helped them put it together. Yeah, Duke, Duke's, we'll have to have, bring Duke in. Because I got to find out, I think Duke might work with Farrah Tucker. I'm not sure. But I also asked Farrah Tucker when we talked to him if he knew Beckton, and he said no, which I would have assumed they would have started working together. But I thought I thought Duke had tweeted something or made some comment about how he was working with Farrah Tucker at some point. So we'll have to, we'll have, to have him back on and chat with so, him. So fourth round, best player available, not a project quarterback, right? Do you think JD has learned from last season? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, people rip on that, and I agree that it was it was not the right time to draft a quarterback. Like, that's you make that pick when you have your franchise quarterback settled, your offensive – like when you're the Patriots or when you're the 49ers or when you are um, any of these other teams, the Kansas City Chiefs. That That's the team that can afford – to draft the project quarterback in the fourth round. But like the Jets thinking with James Morgan wasn't just like, it wasn't just develop him, have him have a couple preseasons and then flip him for a second or third round pick. That wasn't the Jets only thinking with this guy. They genuinely did believe that picking him was going to help Sam Darnold. And what I mean by that is that Morgan is a football junkie. Like he's a football nut. Like he's the guy, like I, I wrote this story about how he would go home, watch Sunday games, draw up the plays that he would see teams running, go to his offensive coordinator in college and be like, hey, can we try to run this? Like he's just a film nut, a football nut, just a crazy person with all this stuff. So what the Jets thought they were doing was, okay, we're drafting a quarterback. Yes, fourth round. But he's going to help Sam so much in the film room that he's going to be another set of eyes, another set of ears, another guy on the practice room. He's basically going to be like another quarter. They're going to have an offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, an offensive-minded head coach, and now James Morgan that is just going to be a quarterback factory, basically, of, of just helping Sam. And obviously that blew up in their face, but when you had Gase and Dow calling the shots, it wasn't going to be really good. So I, I the, the pick of Morgan, though, was made to help Sam. Now, like I said, last year, 2020, is not the year to do that. That's not that's not the year you do it. You do it when you're a perennial playoff team. You do it when you're the Chiefs and you got a franchise. You're just looking for another body to throw in there. You're looking for somebody to develop and flip. You don't do it when you're the Jets and you need 17 million other things. So uh, I give Douglas more slack for that pick than a lot of people do, but I can see why I can see why people don't like it and why people hate it. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap things up here on day two of the draft? No, I think it's just what I've said, guys. Like, I, I think he's doing a great job. I think Joe's done a great job. I think they're off to a great start. I, I, I like the Elijah Moore pick. I love the Zach Wilson pick. I love trading up for, for Vera Tucker. I, 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 there are some other, directions i would have i would have gone i would have gone the i probably would have taken tevin jenkins in the second round but you can't complain with another player that's going to help your quarterback so the jets are building this thing they're 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 making an offense that's going to be something to to 
to be reckoned with. You know, they're creating a defense that's going to actually be able to block some people and have some talent. They have a quarterback that they are in love with, a coach they love, an offensive system they believe in. It's just a matter of seeing it all come together. And I do genuinely believe the Jets are heading in the right direction. I think I feel more optimistic about the team after tonight than I have at any other point. And it's maybe just because I'm starting to play out these situations of Zach Wilson drops back, looks left, look right, and who he's looking left and right at. You know, because when we talked about Sam, a lot of times when I imagined what Sam would would drop back and think about it was what? Deontay Burnett as a rookie as a starting slot receiver, Jermaine Curse, uh, Robbie Anderson, who you never knew what Robbie Anderson you were going to get. Then what were you getting in year two? Nothing much there either. You got Quincy Anunwa, who then got hurt. Uh, you were throwing a Demarius Thomas for a while this year. You lose Robbie Anderson, Brashad Perryman, Denzel Mims is hurt half the year. Jamison Crowder's there. Then he's hurt. Braxton Berrios is playing outside receiver. I mean, it was a uh, it was scary to think about what Sam had to go through, and and now you've got an offense that's going to be Corey Davis on outside, Denzel Mims in year two outside, Jamison Crowder. You still have Keelan Cole. Now you got Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios. I mean, there are pieces and weapons on this offense like the Jets have not had. In years and years and years, probably dating back to that one year, they really had a good Brandon Marshall and a good Eric Decker, and then that all fell apart. But it's been a while since you had an offense that you could be excited about, and I think Joe Douglas is well on his way to doing it. And, and if you want to take any solace and you want to take any, like, um, you want optimism, you want hope, you want anything, Joe Douglas said that he wanted to put playmakers and protection around his quarterback. He said he wanted to build this thing around the quarterback. He wanted to surround his quarterback with talent. First and second round last year, quarterback, wide receiver. First and second round this year, offensive line or offensive lineman last year, receiver. First and second round this year, offensive lineman, receiver. He's doing it. He's building it through the draft. He's surrounding his player, his quarterback with talent. Now it's just a matter of these picks have to take off. Coaching's a big piece of that. I think the Jets have that checked off as well. And and I would be excited. If I was a Jet fan, I would be excited about what's potentially to come this year and, and for the next three, four, five, six, seven. All right, two days of the draft down. We will be back with a full recap of the entire draft coming up on Monday. So bear with us. Come back on Monday. Thanks to everybody who was up late on Thursday night or early Friday morning and also tonight as well. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, get all the great coverage of the draft from all our writers, uh, Connor, all our other beat writers, all our national writers, Dane Brugler and his beast. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait right now. You can sign up for just $3.99 a month. Again, thanks for hanging with us and subscribing to the podcast. And we'll talk to you again on Monday.